Hello and welcome back to another episode of Under the Lights. Another draw, in fact two in a week, but we're delighted. That's odd. My name's Tom Murray. My name's Callum Wilson and this is Under the Lights. Callum, we're five games into the season. We haven't won a league match, yet somehow we're absolutely cock-a-hoop with our start. Yeah, well, um, we've got to have, all we've got to do is have a look at the, uh, the fixtures that we started with, haven't you? And, and um, we've reduced or limited the amount of losses to, to just one at the beginning of the season against Everton and... and in a game where it looked like our oh, same old, same old Saints capitulate, lose a lead, you know, in for a difficult start. We then play Man United, uh, West Ham, who have been flying, Man City away, and um, and we haven't lost since, whilst also getting an 8-0 win in the Cup and then progressing again midweek. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a steady start. I think we're sort of 15th in the table, maybe three points off the kind of bottom a win on Saturday would get us into the potentially into the top half. And I think once we get that win, if we get that win on Saturday, it will look like a very good start. If we don't, things might look a little bit different for us. How important is it that we... Would you say that the game at the weekend is a must-win then? Or is it just no, be... No. It's not a must-win. Not, not at this point. Mm. Too early in the season, you know. What we don't want, though, is to get into the that spell after the Chelsea game where we have a three or four winnable games and then we maybe go through those without winning or, or two or three of those without winning and then suddenly our start to the season isn't as difficult as it was. We've played, you know, a lot of teams of varying ability and we still haven't picked up a win. You know, we, the longer it goes on, the more we want to get that monkey off our back. And I do feel that if we don't beat Wolves at home on Sunday you might start to hear a few fans getting on getting on the backs a little bit early and saying, look, it's been six games in the league and we still haven't picked up uh, that all-elusive win. So, yeah, whilst it's good to be drawing games and not losing them, you don't want to go on a run like we did in 2005-2006 in, uh, in the Championship where we had about 12 or 13 draws on the spin, I think it was. Yeah, it's a good point that you make because... You know, these points against Man United, Man City, even West Ham to some extent, they don't really matter too much in the grand scheme of things if you then can't go and beat your Burnleys, your Watfords, especially if we didn't get a win against Norwich, who everyone seemed to be beating at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I get what you mean. I think for the games that we've had, it's coming off the back of them with four points, I think is acceptable, more than acceptable, but also realistic. Because if you think about it, if we played those same games again and you said, oh, we'll start this season with four points, people would be, okay, so we get a win against Newcastle or West Ham and maybe draw the other one of those fixtures. And they'd be like, you know what, with the fixtures we've got, I'll, I suppose that's a realistic one. We've come through it without the win, but we've gotten, we're currently four unbeaten in the league because we haven't lost a game. And to be honest, if we just talk about the Man City game a little, I know we're we're recording this on Thursday, but if we, what I really liked, and it was something that we said over the summer, especially in our preview episode, we wanted to see a plan. We wanted to see an adaptability 
to play instead of what as we keep on saying stop having other teams worry about us we've got to change our game against other teams and I thought I was really impressed at, on um, on Saturday to see that we actually had a game plan and it wasn't just sit back lob the ball forward just just it wasn't wave after wave of attack we gave them a very good game and I don't know how long you want to talk about the VAR decision but on another day we come away with a 1-0 win yeah, well, I think the best way to, to put it beginning of this season is that we've I feel like we've drawn games that we would have probably lost last season, um, none more so than uh, Man City. You know, we would have we would have lost probably heavily, but we certainly would have thrown away that that draw right at the end, probably against some of the other teams as well. So we seem to have that at the moment, and let's hope it continues. We seem to have that kind of defensive resolve to remaining games and to not to not throw them away uh, you know, near the death. Uh, I, I didn't get the chance to watch the game at the Etihad um, in normal time. Obviously, I've seen the highlights of match of the day and everything else. Um, we can't watch them all. So you'll, you know, you'll have to have more of a, a say on, on what that was, uh, what that was like. But from what I gather, the team came out and we were very much expecting 4-1-4-1 that we played against West Ham. Um, a defensive structure, uh, the tactics that really worked and really stifled West Ham. And and I think they, were, they only really had two efforts on goal in the end. I was expecting us to definitely do that at the Etihad. Then the team comes out. It's playing uh, Adam Armstrong and Che Adams up front. Uh, it looks like he's going back to 4-2-2-2. We're going to the Etihad looking like lambs to the slaughter. Um, he's dropped Salisu to the bench, and everyone's wondering what the you know what he's what he's on that morning because why would you why would you go away from what we were doing so well against the champions of England? But whether Man City were on it or not, we played that way. We took the game to them, and we still limited them to only one shot on target, which was which was right at the end of the game. So. What's what's good, and you could you'll have to talk me through how the game went tactically. But what's good is we changed the formation to less of a kind of a rigid defensive park in the bus formation, but we still stifled a really promising attacking team um, like West Ham and like Man City. So how did we do that whilst posing such a threat and, and playing with two up top? Well, what we did was instead of just sitting back and letting Man City come onto us, we did actually press them at the right times. We weren't going helter skelter, but we sort of we waited until maybe two or Adams and Armstrong could maybe corner one of the Manchester City players, and then they'd suddenly just wait for their moment and come in a sort of pincer movement. And whilst they may not get the ball every single time, it forced Man City to try a long ball to which then Walker Peters or Livramento um, very quickly stepped up and either it went out of play for a throw or those two won the ball and played it in field to Ward Prowse or Romeo. When Man City were coming on the counter-attack or when they had the ball, Romeo would come out of the midfield and sit almost as a third centre-back just to give the defensive line a bit more solidarity. But we were, it was a case, what, what really impressed me was it, it was... Um, when we did get the ball back, even if it was in deep areas, unlike other teams where they might just hoof it, for, hoof it forward and try and just relieve some of the pressure, we tried to play our way out from the back. And Livramento, for an 18-year-old, 
he continues to completely flourish. The confidence to play one-twos on the edge of his own penalty area and then drive forward. There was a couple of times where he thought he could just run past Cancelo and it didn't work and he got stopped straight away. And that will come with time, that experience that... I mean, I like the arrogance of, the, of him to try and take on these players. And I think that it's really exciting that we have another fullback who is willing to really push on. But he's also got to learn that he against the more experienced defenders, he could lose the ball quite easily because he did lose it a number of times. Although there was one occasion in the first half where he ran basically straight into Cancelo and Cancelo started a break and Livermento just ran all the way back, won the ball back off him and then launched another, another attack. We didn't have two. The problem I had with the performance against Man City was that when we did get the ball in dangerous areas, the final ball was lacking completely. I mean, the penalty shout only came about from that one time that someone actually made the right call of Armstrong cutting inside to the penalty box and trying to then get a shot away and he was tackled. But a lot of the time it was misplaced passing. I know the chemistry is still building between Adams and Armstrong. And they're still trying to form that partnership. But Redmond as well, I mean, we've seen it. He's played the wrong ball countless times. There, so whilst we may not have had a huge number of shots, there were many attacking plays where we really should have created at least something. So whilst the highlights on Mac to the Day probably showed Man City having attack after attack and then we just got a lucky penalty... We, ha we had many occasions where if we just played the fight right ball, we ha would have had a player through and Redmond again, like against West Ham, had a chance where he was put through and instead of just shooting, he tried to then cut back onto his right foot. And it's just sort of so agonising because you think we're making these chances and then we're making the wrong decision. So once we start making those decisions, the correct decisions, we're going to score a lot of goals. And what was pleasing is that if we had played that ball right, not only could we have beaten Manchester City, but we might have even beaten them quite well. Yes, it says something when you're, you're, you're saying one thing that I wasn't happy with with our performance when we've just got a draw at the Etihad when they've scored five, five and six in their last three games so far this season. So, look, we were excellent. Um, we've been given the, the plaudits and it wasn't as some fans of other teams on Twitter would probably think it wasn't Saints Park in the bus, neither was it the case against West Ham. We had opportunities in both games to win it, but what I'm really pleased to see is that defensively we are we're keeping teams out and we're being competitive. And even, I, I do not understand why he took Salisu out, but even Stevens, even Stevens. <laughs> Stevens and uh, Benarak were, um, it was even Stevens, it was nil-nil, but Benarak and Stevens both played and they were keeping them out. Then we lost Stevens partway through the first half. He's going to be out for change. a while now. Yeah, made a change at centre-back, which is not ideal in any game, let alone against Man City. And we continued to um, to defy the odds. So, yeah, I, I think you're know, really happy with that. You mentioned Livramento. I mean, we keep talking about him each week, but he's he's gonna go on to be a, a huge player. And and again, you know, he really pocketed Jack Grealish at times to try to take him on and got tackled. We don't see that with Grealish. So yeah, Livramento, fantastic. But the the whole team once again, and Romeo, I understand man of the match, had a fantastic game, and you need to in a game against Man City, but they had the big guns. We'll talk about the penalty very briefly. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I, I don't think it's as clear-cut as the kind of Samson football Twitter would 
have you think in that it was a stonewall penalty what what i can't understand is how it's a clear and obvious error and can therefore be changed if he doesn't give it in the first place i still probably look at it and think mm, they've got away with one there but for him to give it go over to the monitor and decide that it is completely and abundantly the wrong decision um does beg a belief a little bit what, what i what i think personally and everyone's got a view on it is that i think he may well have gone over to have a look at it for the red card and a lot of people are saying oh um it's a penalty but it's not a red but correct me if I'm wrong, but in the rules of the game, it has to be either both or none because he hasn't gone to play the ball. So if he tries to make a play on the ball, misses it, brings someone down. It's a penalty, but the double jeopardy comes in and it's just a yellow. Carl Walker has attempted to put his body between man and the ball, going into the man, and hasn't gone to play the ball whatsoever. So I think the referee has probably gone over there, looked at it, and he's got to either give a red card and a penalty or give nothing. And looking at it, it seems really harsh to give a penalty and to send off Carl Walker for that challenge because Adam Armstrong does go to ground before he's touched because he almost tries to, he almost makes it into a 50-50 because he tries to slide into the ball. Whereas I feel like if he stayed on his feet and waited for the contact and then went down, is probably more obvious of a penalty, if you know what I mean. But mm. if you watch it, he kind of dives in, sort of two-footed through Walker's legs as he comes through before the contact happens. And that it then looks like he's kind of clipped him on the calf or they're both battling for the ball. But at the end of the day, after he gives that, I, I just I honestly don't understand how he can how he can look at it and say that I was so completely wrong. That's never a foul. And overall, it I, I think I think Saints should have had a penalty, um, and and should have come away with the victory. Yeah, I can I completely agree with the sentiment that it's not a clear and obvious error by any stretch of the imagination. So to 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 then go to VAR and completely disallow it. I mean, you need to just look at the reaction of Carl Walker. He's amazed that he's still on the pitch, and I know that um, you know every professional player will will argue to the hilt pretty much that they are innocent completely innocent even our, even before VAR came in players would argue with the referee and you know he's not going to overturn his decision but to have the th the thing that i have an issue with is that in the middle of the pitch that's a foul that's a free kick that will be given i know VAR doesn't really look at those challenges but if john moss sees that in the middle of the pitch he gives that free kick and I, th I just think as as well. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say. I don't feel that. I, I hear that argument. People say that all the time. But mm. I don't feel that a foul in the middle of in the centre circle is the same as a foul in the penalty box because the ramifications are completely different. You're essentially saying, is is that a foul in the ref's book to pull up play and give possession? To one to the foul team in the middle of the pitch to probably just pass it short and start again, or is that such a foul that you get a free attempt on goal from twelve yards out with only the goalkeeper to beat? So in that respect, I don't feel like a foul is a is the same in different areas <coughs> of 
the pitch. But it's interesting. You mentioned Carl Walker claiming his innocence, and former every former player that's spoken on on it has said that it's a penalty. But then the former referees are kind of backing the referees' union. And I watched something. Uh, it's on YouTube. It was only from a few weeks ago, I think, where I think Jamie Carragher spoke to. Uh, I think it was Michael Oliver and Anthony Taylor about mm-hmm. uh, VAR and the refereeing. And I think those two had been to the Euros and they'd sort of just come back, start of the season kind of thing. Um, and they were discussing VAR and how they changed it. And they said initially it was overturning everything because as soon as they saw the most minute of contact or anything, they were saying change your decision. It's a penalty. Then the next season they or the next change they made was to go away from that because it was too they were, they were making too many changes and in the end they ended up leaving too many things and when they should have stepped in and now they're pretty much saying you know they're trying to find a middle ground but only only speaking to the referee if he's made an obvious mistake i he's not touched him whatsoever and he's dived, but you've given a penalty or, so, or something like that. And that's just not what it was on Saturday. And I don't want to talk about it for too long, but um, once the referee has made his decision, he can't overturn it. And, that, and that's, that's the problem for me. We've had, we've had numerous refereeing decisions, Saints, especially last season. This season they've been good, but there seem to be kind of a couple over the weekend, Saints being the, the most obvious one. But yeah, they just need to get back on track because uh, there were some poor decisions. John Moss really is is one of those referees with the uh, the lower standard of referee, and I think in the Premier League, um, mm. I don't think he's a particularly good referee. And you know, you say whatever you like about it, but it's that kind of if, if that was a Man City attacker and Liveramento had gone in on De Bruyne or someone and done that, uh, it, they're not changing their mind. Let's be honest. No, and even with the uh, the disallowed goal at the very end, it was clearly offside, but they still spent. Uh, I know you've seen the match of the day highlights, but when you look at the the goal that I think it was Sterling that scored it, no word of a lie. I think it took a good four or five minutes for them to draw the lines and... But they were Maybe. looking for a reason to give the goal. Yeah, and it was yeah. really it was really strange because even the commentators at the time were saying, I don't know why this is taking so long. He's nowhere near offside. And then Mm. they zoomed in on the fact that Nathan Redmond had stretched back a little bit with his foot. And even from the naked eye, just looking at it without zooming in, you could see that it would take a very altered line to try and make Sterling offside. And that was what annoyed... I was annoyed at that because it was almost like you say... They were almost looking for anything, anything at all, to let the goal stand. And I after to play, to play devil's advocate, though, it's it's the last kick of the game. It decides you know, where the points are going potentially, and maybe you know they want to make sure they get it absolutely right because if they if they give it or they don't give it, that's it can't be. You say it can't. And there's no time left in the game for an equaliser, but you know Newcastle away proved that that's not the case. But usually, if they're going to give that as a goal, Man City have won the game. If they're not, then Saints have got a draw. And I guess they just want to be clear. But the, the whole point is that it doesn't take that long, and the margin for error is um is is widened, or, or at least the margin for offside is, is widened. They thicken the lines. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we could we. 
we could talk about it till we're blue in the face, but at the end of the day, it was it was a good draw. I'm just really happy that Sterling took that rebound because Phil Foden took the header and he was going in to header it into the net off of McCarthy's fantastic save. And if he if Sterling had let him, then the goal would have counted and they and we would have come away sick as dogs because we'd outplayed them and they'd taken their literally their one chance their one attempts on target so nil nil was a fantastic display for saints um added what's that fourth fourth draw in a row uh, yeah. in the league and then uh, we added another one in a slightly different game against yeah. sheffield united and by the way I, I can understand i can i now understand why it was taking so long for me to get the full-time whistle notifications through on my phone I was frantically messaging you as you watched it to say yeah, how long have we got left? Because I was listening to it in the car. Then I, uh, then I got into the flat and I was like, Tom, is it over yet? Is it over? And it was taking forever. It's probably because they were checking that bloody VAR decision. Yeah, it was. And even after that, of course, they then had to play even more minutes and it was just painful. And Saints were just, again, at that point, Saints had um, completely thrown away the let's play it out from the back. It was just... We'd, got, yeah. we, we'd had Broger on. He was a tall guy. I didn't think, I wasn't too impressed with Broger at the weekend, if I've been completely honest. Um, he didn't really put in that much of a work rate. Um, he was jogging around whilst all of his teammates were pressing as much as possible. I'm, I'm, let's not get too much into it. It's one, it's one 15 minute cameo. And um, yeah, at that point, Saints were just lumping it away. And when the full-time whistle went, as much as disappointed that I was that we hadn't got the penalty, I thought, you know what, I'll take a point. A point is a very good result. And who knows if we'd won the penalty, would we have scored it? And if we had scored it, would that have um, jolted Man City into life? I know we would have been 1-0 up, but you never know. They were completely subpar and on a point just of a bit of analysis about Manchester City. I know they've got a, a wonderful, wonderful world-class squad, but the fact that they don't have an out-and-out striker seems to be really... Um, I want to say it's killing them, but they've scored five, five and six in the games. Well, oh, they didn't play Torres, did they? They played Torres mm. has been playing in that position mm. and they didn't play him. But yeah, who cares? Um, yeah. What about Sheffield United then? Uh, two all in the end, bit of a topsy-turvy game. In the end, Saints... Um, snuck through by winning a penalty shootout in a game that we really expected them to win quite comfortably. Yeah, although Sheffield United had sort of turned around their form and were, you know, were playing well going into the game. Saints made uh, nine changes. Uh, I think we, ex but with the squad that we have, we expected them to make a considerable number of changes. I think it was just a, I think it was just a decent cup die listening to it. Um, very end to end, Lianco had his debut was hauled off at the end. I've seen a few fans giving him some stick. I don't think from what I heard, it wasn't the best of performances, but he's still learning the game. And I doubt we're going to see him in the lineup against Wolves on, 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 um, no, on Sunday. Just, just to and, touch on the anchor though, like, mm. uh, before you go on, it, all these people that are giving him grief uh, and saying he's had a poor game are all the ones that either listen to it on the radio or watched a three-minute highlights package on YouTube. Like, they haven't seen the game. Mm. Um, I know people that were up at Bramall Lane, spoke to them, and they said it was unjust. Yeah, he made the odd mistake. One of them led to a goal, which I think is the main reason that people are getting on his back. But 
in in the hole he looked impressive and uh well not impressive but he looked okay mm. and there are there are the kind of attributes there to maybe have a player in the future so yeah i, I i'm i wouldn't i wouldn't listen to what uh, take no. in much into what people are saying because no one could watch that game unless they were at the stadium yeah and one bit i was actually really impressed with is um with Lianko is first minute make your mark completely flattens Ollie McBurney inside the first minute and um, Ollie McBurney I mean he doesn't come across well and his antics on the pitch make him sound I know if you listen to the radio and it is biased commentary but at the same time having listened to a few stories about him he doesn't come across as the nicest character um, so it was quite nice for him to miss his penalty at the very end um, but it was a good battle between Lianko and McBurney, from the sounds of it, Lianco, they had to be pulled apart quite a couple, quite a few times during that match. So, uh, what I like is we've we've got a centre back who obviously really, from his Instagram posts and his Twitter, seems to really be very happy that he's here, and um, has got a bit of a fiery personality on the pitch. Now, I hope that doesn't translate into multiple red cards and diving in, but it's nice to have um, someone with a pit of passion. One player. Yeah. I was, one player I was really happy to see score. Well, I was, I was happy to see them both Diallo and Salisu score, but um, I really like, I think Salisu is just growing into a phenomenal player. Um, it was a very good finish from him, almost a striker's finish into the, uh, getting to the six yard box and sliding it across to the, uh, to the far post. Um, Although I, I did see, again, only from the highlights, but I did see him get, lost at sea and nutmegged in the box for a Sheffield United forward to, to miss the target completely, but saw that and thought, oh, every now and again, Salisu is really good and you know how much I rate him, but it seems like a lot of the hard work and through those really good performances, every now and again is undone by a bit of a kind of a, he comes out like a headless chicken and doesn't seem to, all his limbs don't seem to be in control and all of a sudden someone's got past him or he's misjudged something. God, sometimes he goes in a bit too overzealous. I think that's the thing. With the, yeah. uh, with, I'm sorry, I'm thinking Lukaku because we're playing him soon because I think... Salisu is someone that you can turn and Lukaku is probably the best player in the world at doing that. But he's he comes in tight, tries to win the ball immediately. But then with that comes the opportunity to sort of get him off balance. I think that's what happened um, in that, that chance in particular. But he is still learning, is fantastic. It was great to see our two signings from last season, scoring uh, scoring goals. Um, we need more goals from different areas of the pitch now that Danny Ings has gone. Uh, but of course, yeah, to get those two on the score sheet um, was a big plus. And you mentioned Lianco, probably won't play against Wolves, but now that we know Stevens is out for a good three months, suddenly he's, he's third choice centre-back and he's only one, one injury or suspension away from being called upon. So, yeah, we have got players that are learning. Jan Bednarak, no doubt, will come back in and uh, and and partner Salisu for the foreseeable. But uh, Stevens, you know, Stevens is a loss, and uh, we don't think we'd be saying that at the beginning of the season. But it was great to see us win on penalties because penalties are a bit of a lottery. Um, but Fraser Forster pulled off a, a, a couple of saves uh, of note, and, um, and apart from. Uh, Brogia, who almost scored his penalty. It was a really good save from the goalie just to push it over. Uh, it was a good set of penalties there. Yeah, there were. And from a, a set of penalty takers that you, I didn't quite expect, obviously 
you know Will Prowse the second, the first one. Diallo didn't strike me as someone who, but well, he said in this post-match interview that that goal against Sheffield United was his first ever career goal. Um, yeah, good penalty so, though. Yeah, it was a very good penalty, and I didn't expect him to um, him to take one. I didn't expect Romeo to take one, but then I guess it's who we had on the pitch. Uh, Broja, it was a it's a shame. It's a game that he probably should have done a bit more, but it sounded like he was a bit anonymous but we know what he can do we know what he can do and I don't think against Sheffield United in the cup he's going to go all out if there's a possibility of him playing in the Premier League at the weekend against opposition that he can he can thrive against so all in all I thought you know it it we, we won we're through we got Chelsea away in the next round that probably will be the end of it um, but you never know you've got to be in the competition to win at West Ham got a victory at Manchester United Chelsea didn't actually look very, I heard they didn't look very good at all against a very weak Aston Villa side and were lucky to go through on penalties against them. So, yeah, and that was another team where there was a penalty shootout, same with Spurs and Wolves, and you see players step up that you wouldn't usually see because there's a lot of rotation. So not only do you not often see players take penalties, but then you often don't see reserve players take penalties. So when the likes of Romeo step up or Rich James, for instance, putting his penalty right in the top corner to win it for Chelsea um, yeah it's almost like you've entered the twilight zone a little bit isn't it but yeah Chelsea is you know, another away trip in the cup which is becoming quite familiar um, so Mary's are going to forget how to run a midweek game in the cup uh, if we don't get one soon uh, ideally you wanted to avoid Chelsea but there's always a good chance when all the big teams constantly miss each other but Chelsea uh, second string side, fortunate to get through. It's it's not it's not like it's not going to be as tough as Chelsea in the league, um, and we'll be playing. Does that mean we'll be playing them twice in a week? Uh, no, because after Chelsea got international break, in the next oh, game okay. isn't until I think oh, it's about the twenty third, actually, isn't it? That we play these cup games, the mid yeah. midweek twenty whatever whatever's closest to that. Yeah. So, yeah, and they have got a lot of games. They've got a lot of games um, in in the space of a few weeks, Chelsea. So you never know. You might see almost a third string team because they've got plenty Champions of fights yeah. fighting on. And you'd imagine the League Cup will be very not quite far down their list at the moment in terms of prior, priority. So, Although it's one of the only ones that Tuchel hasn't won, isn't it? <laughs> that is true. And, well, you know, we've played Tuchel once and... We've drawn, so you never know. Um, e either way, we'll get to that game when we come to it. It depends on who's injured, what sort of position we are in the league. I can, I can imagine that we'll still make a couple of changes, one obviously being Fraser Forster. But in the, in the end, we're now unbeaten in total in six games um, in all competitions. We didn't think we'd be saying that after the debacle on the opening day of the season, but really doesn't count for too much unless when we get to the games that are winnable we get that win and so it's a big game on Sunday Wolves are not in the greatest shape results wise apparently they have been playing quite well they don't they don't concede a lot um, but then again they don't score a lot and the only goals that they've scored so far this season were in that 2-0 win against Watford and they failed to score in all of the others it sounds like they're very much a work in progress after uh, under under Lager. I think that's his name. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. 
So, and we know that Adama Traore is an absolute beast, although he has no end product the majority of the time. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that we can get the first win of the season. Oh, no. So, oh wait, sorry, sorry. It's raining. It's outside. I'm going for a really disappointing game at St. Mary's. I think two nil wolves, uh, Livermento to get injured. And we go into the international break after a thumping from Chelsea and um, it's it's Ralph out time again. Any of our any of our regular listeners will um will have listened to last week and realised that we've we've written us off each week for a result. So and then we get one. So uh, we're, we're playing uh, the the reserve, reverse psychology game. It seems from recent results between the two sides that there's there's no kind of consistent pattern of one side beating the other it seems to be a, a win for one side then a loss then a draw then a loss then a win and uh, in the last sort of five or six games that tends to have been the pattern um, Wolves are always a difficult side to face they seem to be the bright end of this season in terms of the XG you mentioned in how they they don't score many but they don't concede many well they they had a really tough start to the season, tougher than Saints' and against those big sides. Although they didn't win, they lost their first three games 1-0, but they had one of the best uh, underlying stats in terms of the expected goals conceded and scored. It's, they were like kind of up in the top three for both of them. So when they came to play newly promoted Brentford at home, you thought, right, finally, a fixture that they can, uh, they can get results in. And all that went to pot and they got absolutely outplayed and should have lost uh, three, four, maybe five nil. So who knows? Maybe they're a side that play a certain way to contain the big sides and are good at it and are resolute and are solid. But then when they open up to play against other sides, like Brentford, who are a very open side, doesn't quite work out for them. You'd expect Southampton will be another game where they think they can get the three points. And if they are open... Maybe we can go at them again. But certainly Ivan Tony and uh, Buemo were really difficult for them to deal with. They struggled with the two up front. That's that that will be what Saints play because against a against a back three, you play with a strike partnership usually. So I'm expecting to see probably Adams and Armstrong up there again. And then I think our formation does work quite nicely to kind of counter their their fullbacks and uh, and their wingers. So I would expect a tough game. I would expect maybe another end-to-end game because they're very much a counter-attacking side like West Ham, as are we. But, you know, I'm with you in your first prediction and that, you know, a win's going to come from somewhere and this is kind of, this is the game we were looking at. You know, Newcastle away was another one, but we do tend to struggle up there. And then sandwiched between Man City away and Chelsea away, you've got this gleaming fixture of Wolves at home that, compared to all everything around it, looks like a very winnable game. So, yeah, I think for Southampton, there'll be Southampton fans will be hoping that we can win this game for reasons mentioned earlier in the podcast. We don't want to go that long without winning, even if we are drawing a lot. But I suppose the um, the clever money is to put it on a draw as, as things are going. Absolutely, yeah. It's, I think um, that's also a result that we haven't had against Wolves at home for for quite some time. We've lost both of the the, um, the last two seasons. We've lost the home fixture, having led, but 
we've lost many fixtures in the last couple of years where we've we've led. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They probably say that about every team that we've played. And Jimenez at the moment is, I don't know if you saw in his last game, but he, he's he's not his usual self or that he was before that horrible injury. And he got so frustrated with his heading and, and poor accuracy with his heading that he threw his um, protective head what do you call it? Not a band, is it? But threw that on the um, on the ground partway through the game, and he, uh, I just wonder if he'll be wearing it against Saints. But it would be typical for Jimenez to um, to power a header into the into the top corner against uh, up against Salisu and Bednarek. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Doing the game uh, with Rob on Sunday, two o'clock kickoff on Sunday. So don't know how many Saints fans will get. Um, it must be on TV because Wolves aren't in Wolves aren't in Europe League, are they? So it'll be on the television. So I imagine that will probably hamper our um, already dwindling attendance record so far this season. So, but it, but for those that are there, I do think it will be another entertaining game. I mean, West Ham was entertaining; and it was nil nil. Just think it's going to be a bit of a kind of cat and mouse game of waiting waiting for one to to spring the other's counter attack. And we just got to make sure we deal with Traore. Like you said, he can't hit a barn door. Technically, he's pretty crap, but he's almost impossible to stop once he turns you, turns up, turns you or faces you up and runs past you. So he is the danger man. But I do think, looking at their team, I don't think they're as good as they once were Wolves when they first came up. And I think this is a really good opportunity for Hassan Nuttall and the boys to... Uh, to get themselves a win. And I'm, I think Arsenal is going to be hoping he can get a, get a win in his nice waistcoat before the winter weather comes in and he has to, <laughs> has to wrap up, wrap up warm. Yeah, he will. Um, as you say, it's going to be an exciting game because um, it's going to be two teams that will be expecting to win the match. Um, so they're going to go for it. I doubt either side are going to sort of shut up shop and um, try and catch the other on the break. They're going to go for it. It should make for a, a good game, a good game to watch. I think that despite the uh, the early cynicism, I think that it's a perfect opportunity for Saints to get that win. And then, assuming that we don't get the result we want against Chelsea, that'll be seven games played, seven points. And from the fixtures we've had, I don't think that's too bad a return. But I think it is it is really key that Saints do get a victory because we're not expecting one against Chelsea, and then we've got another international break. And then it's not just seven games without a win, but a considerable number of weeks and we'll be halfway into October without a victory. Wolves are one of the sides beneath us in the league. Um, And although they have won one game, they've lost the other four. So they're they're not in fine fiddle. I know they've had tough games, but at the end of the day, this whole we haven't won a game yet, Obviously, the further we go, it will become more and more of a thing. But we haven't won a game so far, and Wolves have. And we're still a point better off than they are. And we haven't lost four games out of five like they have. They've beaten Watford in one game where they struggled to get that goal and ended up being given it by an own goal and then capitalising late on. So they do seem to struggle for goals. And uh, I, I think at the moment, Saints aren't giving them away. So touch wood. We don't do that on Sunday, but a, a win for Saints. We're on four points, 15th in the league. A win for us, put us on to seven, which is where we find Aston Villa at the moment in 10th. I know everyone else has got to play, but I, I feel like a win could get us up to sort of 
maybe 12th place, depending on other results. And uh, and going to Chelsea, that's, that, that puts us in a nice position where we're not expected to get anything, despite the Man City result. We're still not expecting to get anything. Um, I think they're the best team in the league. And if we do, then great. But if we don't, we're, we're still in a nice place and a good start. And then that's that first period, as you were saying earlier, off, off um, well, before we started recording, after that first seven games, and then we have that international break, that's the kind of first period of the season where you could look at it, assess where are we, okay, we're happy with where we are, happy with the results, work on a few things, and then we take that next set of fixtures, which is where we need to start picking up the, uh, the Ws. Exactly. And I'm looking forward to Sunday. You're looking forward to it too. You're providing the commentary. I think before we wrap this up, Callum, I thought I'd just say that I think I'm up to 38th in the Fantasy Premier League. Having cha- having played my wild card, I've changed it all up. I've got a nice, yes. strike, nice strike force of um, Sam Maximan, Captain Ronaldo and Lukaku. I'm just going all out with the strike force. Very, yeah, very nice. I did, I did check... Uh, I was going to give credit where it was due. You have played your wild card. And for the first week this season, you've beaten me on weekly points. Just Yay! by one. Uh, Just so by they one. all count. They all count. Um, I, I'd argue that neither of us had a particularly good week, although you've got uh, you've got Mbwemo sitting as your last sub with, with eight points after his goal. So uh, that would have been uh, that would have been even better for you. But yeah, you've uh, you managed to get up to 38th as you said yep you've clearly had a look more a look at the league than I have um I've been dethroned so well I say dethroned only after five weeks but um Thomas Gonzaga tricky scummers has managed to take the lead in this group in this uh, in this league under the lights fantasy football league with a 20 point lead over myself in second now after he got a huge 89 points at the weekend he didn't play his wild card he's got Ben White and Shane Duffy both sitting on the bench with seven and five points apiece Um, he must be absolutely buzzing with it and he didn't I'll tell you what he did all of that without even having a goalkeeper play he's uh, he had Mendy and Mendy didn't play so he's got Van Dijk with 12 points, Rudiger with 14, Saar with 15, Rafinha with eight. He's captained Salah and he's got Bamford and Ronaldo up front. So if he'd uh, if he'd maybe put White in for Cody, he could have been uh, eyeing up the 100 club this week. So fair play to him, giving us all something to, uh, to chase down. Um, and I would assume he's the highest point scorer in our league this week. Don't want to gloss over anyone else but yeah yeah he is so huge week uh for thomas so well done to you everyone's uh gunning you down now as the as the big boy in the league and uh and this week uh i don't know how you're feeling tom but it, it looks now like i've just had a look and uh it looks now like bamford has been looks like he's been ruled out i don't know if there's been any uh I know he, he missed midweek, but maybe there's been something in the press conference. But Leeds dropping like flies, their players, aren't they? So maybe worth uh, keeping maybe an worth eye on that getting one. On, getting on some West Ham players to play in this week. One point I want to make before we completely wrap up is I have 
downloaded the the early access to it's like sort of like the demo version of FIFA 22. Yeah. Liveramento 62 overall. Yeah, I saw that. I thought he was even less than that, but maybe that's just my mind. Oh, no, 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 no. The form, the, the, the player ratings have been adjusted by form. McCarthy's now up to the giddy heights of 78, but um, Liveramento's gone up by one. And I tell you what, I still play him. I still played him and he's brilliant just because <laughs> just because of pace. He's 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 brilliant. Um, I think, so I think Saints fans are buzzing because we've got a forward who has 90 pace up front and we all know that pace up front is uh, is key. So Adam, Adam Armstrong up top, just put the ball in behind for him and I'm sure he'll be banging in the goals. Well, Shea Adams uh, isn't on, too on slow keeper. either. I think he's got no. like 85. So um not saying it's more difficult to score, but three of the goals that I've scored so far have been from the opposition passing the goal kick straight to my striker. So well, actual FIFA's out now, isn't it? It's not just the demo. I don't, I don't have, a, I don't have a console, so I, I won't be. There's no point in me getting it. I'll just be looking at it and shining it and breathing <laughs> on it and just giving it a good, a good clean. But, um, I, yeah, I, I, I don't. Know. Everyone gets so excited about these uh, the the ratings when they come out, and they're always boring and exactly the same we'll have a couple of players we'll have Ward Prowse or what used to be Ings in around 80 81 then we'll have a plethora of players between 76 and 78 I'm talking like 12 odd players and then uh, and then our goalies usually will both both of them sat on 75 look the same and you and when you, you you decide what your best eleven is on FIFA and your bench and your eleven are almost as good as each other. So yeah, nothing nothing really changes. And then you go out and you buy your own players anyway. Well, I don't. Uh, thankfully, I don't. Um, I've gone off Ultimate Team because I, I, I even go, on career mode though, right? Yeah, go. yeah. Thing Mind is, you, not... how much kitty do you get in career mode for Saints? Because if it's any more than zero pounds, then uh, then That's FIFA. A lie. It's a very unrealistic game. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't had a look at the career mode just yet, but with Ultimate Team now, the, the, there's too many cards and they all get ridiculous. And by the end of the game, they're all rated oh, like 94 and 95. So, I mean, if you're going to play Ultimate Team and you want to just have a play with a decent team, just get the game next year in June when all of those cards are really, really cheap. So I like playing the online seasons. I normally just play as Saints. I actually played as Blackburn for a little bit because I just wanted to play with Adam Armstrong. And um, he... Oh. Uh, yeah, cheeky. But um, with, 90, with, 90, <laughs> with 90 pace, it's um, it, it, it's fun. It's fun. And uh, I know it's, it's pretty much... Is he, is, he, is he still with Blackburn on the demo then or something? Is he, no, 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 no. It's still... All, it, it's, it, it is FIFA 22, so all of the players are... Um, oh, you're talking where, about last season's FIFA, right? Yeah, last season's FIFA, I oh, played I with Blackburn. Um, I even played with Vitesse just to see what Brogia was like. 70 rated, complete dog shit. But, um... I'll tell you what, I, I knew, barely anyone knew about Brogia, but I did because last season I signed him for Reading. Um, and uh, as soon as we got linked with him, I thought, ah, oh, oh, my, my youngster, bought a load of young players, brought him through, um, gone from Chelsea, obviously. He was rated 70. He was very slow, so when I saw that he was actually quite pacey in real life, I thought that's um, I've been I've been done there. Probably would have got a few more goals uh, from that Reading season. But anyway, we're waffling now, and we should probably call it a day. Um, 
if anyone's still listening, apologies. <laughs> <laughs> you're, plow, you're plowing on through. So I think, well, maybe maybe you're listening to this whilst playing FIFA 22. Let us know. Yeah, let us, let us know if you're playing. I'll tell you one problem, actually, because there are so few play, people playing it. Final thing, I promise. I promise. Last thing. There are so few people playing it that if you play Saints online, you get picked, you get drafted against the weirdest teams because I played one, I played a couple of matches. First game I played against Hadrick Split. Now I have no idea who they are and why anyone would play as them unless they're a fan. If you are fair play, they've played them, won it, of course. And then because on the other end of the spectrum, because there aren't many people playing it, I got picked against someone playing as Manchester United. So that was a bit of um, I was there sat thinking, ah, this is a bit unfair. I ended up winning it in the last minute with Adam Armstrong, but uh, well, I don't know. I don't know even how you pronounce that first team that you said, but I'm sure there's someone in this, uh, someone in England who's got a split um, kit, split kit. <laughs> sure, I've got an, an old, an old, uh, an old retro kit of Hubble uh, split. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, do you have any friends, or did you play as had the split on Football Manager? Let us know in the comments. Are these <laughs> going to be the new, the latest Paderborn craze? So, I mean, we say oh, it. Yeah. yeah, not not again. As always, you know where to find us on Twitter at under underscore Saints. You can find me at t two one four Murray. Well, such a nice, calm, sort of um, ambient sign off then you guys you know where to find us but if you don't know if you want to find us then uh you can find me at callum wilson 21 um and i suppose same again this time next week uh after a nice win against wolves looking ahead to the chelsea game and then we've got something a bit different during the international break because uh, we're not we're not really up for talking about England versus Hungary in a qualifier for the World Cup. So we'll do uh, something You're not. Bit different. You're not asking that. It's the, biggest, it's the biggest game of the year, England against Hungary. Uh, well, Prowse isn't going to get called up, is he? So who cares? Actually, that's a very good point. Stay safe. Stay wonderful. Bye.